Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the 79th episode of the TCVC podcast. I am your host, Akash Bhatt, and this is a show where we bring you investors and operators investing and building companies in the diverse tech landscape of India. This is another very special episode. I've got a good friend and investor sitting across the table from me in Abhishek Goenka. He's the head and chief investment officer at RPSG Capital Ventures, a corporate venture fund backed by the RPS Goenka Group. The fund primarily invests in early-stage consumer brands in India, including F&B, CPG, personal care, and lifestyle goods. Abhishek himself brings two decades of experience across investments in M&A and loves brainstorming with entrepreneurs over a cup of coffee about everything that's consumer in the country. Prior to this, he was part of the investments team at True North and J.P. Morgan. He is a chartered accountant and chartered financial analyst by qualification. And in our chat today, we will cover why Abhishek and RPSG are bullish on the Indian consumer story and some of his learnings from investing in the country over the last five years. Well, without further ado, let's head in and listen to my conversation with Abhishek. Abhishek, it's a pleasure to host you here on the DCVC podcast. And uh, I was just telling you this a couple of minutes ago, we ended up talking for the last 25 minutes about some fantastic insights about investing in the consumer space. And unfortunately, we weren't able to record any of that for our listeners. But I'm hopeful the next 40 minutes or so is going to be full of those similar insights. And more importantly, diving into everything that you have learned about investing in the Indian consumer industry. So firstly, welcome to the show. And uh, how are you doing? Thank you so much, Akash, for having me over. I, you know, as I, as I told you, it's always a pleasure to be, you know, interacting with someone, you know, who shares a similar passion for brands. Uh, and I just didn't realize we actually spoke for 25 minutes, uh, you know, prior to starting this. <laughs> I, I guess that's how good conversations begin. And on that note, I'm really, really excited about our chat, right? Because the last 25 minutes or so has just given me so much uh, excitement about what holds in store for us over the next 40 minutes or so. And, uh, you know, I wanted to kick off the conversation with typically the question that I ask most of the people who come on the show. It's about your learning or the investing in the country for the last two years, because we've been through this up and down cycle where we saw a lot of investments go in, a lot of money going in through investments over the last uh, two years. And then there was a funding freeze and everything is like slowing down. There's been mass layoffs. Uh, people have been looking at the Indian consumer market with a different lens altogether than they did a couple of years ago. How is that narrative playing out at your fund? And what is your take on the macroeconomic climate that is happening all around the world, but more so in India right now? Sure, sure. So, uh, Akash, uh, you know, the things, the points that you you made, obviously, you know, we've also been seeing signs of, uh, you know, funding kind of drying up, you know, people talking a lot more about, uh, you know, fundamentals or unit economics, um, uh, you know, it's it's probably only the last two or three quarters, uh, you know, for some of the follow-on rounds have I started hearing the word profitability, right? Uh, prior to that, uh, at least in the last two years, largely the story was around, you know, how well have you grown? How fast have you grown? Uh, you know, where all, you know, how, how good is your brand awareness? So I think there's a little bit of uh, uh, discipline, if I may put it, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of coming up. And I think that's, that's important for the ecosystem as well. Uh, and also disciplines, I would say, with respect to uh, valuations. Right. Uh, so where 
at least let's say before i come to the learnings uh, at least from a macro perspective the way we look at it is uh, at least on the consumer brands it's it's always very very difficult to kind of sustain valuations uh, you know of 20x 30x uh, you know 15x uh, you know sort of stories right however if uh, you know there are two or three check boxes whether it's it's from a unit economic whether it's from fundamentals uh, if you know quality of growth versus i would say quantity of growth right and in terms of reasonable valuations then i think uh, you will be facing the winter a lot less severely as compared to you know some of your other folks right uh, and you know we had a very very similar experience even uh, let's say in the first few months of covid when it was quite difficult uh, you know for the economy in general now uh, from a learning perspective if i kind of encapsulate all of these uh, and our advice to uh, you know founders always has been look uh, focus so let's have five parts right uh, let me call it focus the person the focus on you know doing something really well right uh, versus let's say doing many many things averagely right uh, second i think is a focus on execution right because execution is uh, one skill set which kind of over a medium to long term uh, will definitely differentiate you versus uh, you know your peer right so mm-hmm. basic things like you know how do you kind of uh, you know manage your rtos how do you manage delivery timelines how do you respond to your customer how how well do you use data uh, you know very very basic things third uh, like you also pointed out uh, i think the, the the focus on differentiation is very important right you can't be selling the same story or the same product uh, to the customer right you will mm-hmm. it is very very difficult to kind of build a brand awareness and eventually a recall uh, by offering the same thing right so if if you are positioned uniquely if you market very uniquely if your product is very unique i think you are able to create that impact on the customer's mind for much much longer right talk the fourth thing that uh, uh i think from a learning perspective is and i can't uh, you know emphasize more on this is uh how well or how much are you able to build on the consumer love are you actually investing time effort and money behind that right yeah. because this is a differentiation and this is a moat that is eternal once a brand is able to kind of make an inroad into a customer's mind for a particular thing right it mm-hmm. it will take a very very long time and it will take a lot of money for someone to kind of overthrow you right, right. uh my fifth learning uh and this stems more from let's say the covid environment or the environment which is going on right now is invest when no one else is investing Mm-hmm. then other people are thinking of uh, you know conserving etc and hopefully if you are in a fortunate situation where uh, you know you have money in the bank right this is the time to invest these are fantastic learnings and you've summarized it so well you know the five learnings that you've had and one thing that kind of stood out to me are actually a couple of things that stood out to me are the last two points that you made it's it's about customer loyalty and brand building and how that really enables you to 
continue to add value to your customer and more importantly they keep coming back to you because they have that connection with you it's so hard to break that connection you know you and i were discussing this before jumping on uh, to the recording as well like when you're a buyer you search for the product right and then you discover the store but when you're a brand people search for your brand and then buy what you're offering and we talked about how tomorrow if apple comes out with a car people will just blindly buy it because people trust the brand people know that it stands for quality excellence and more importantly like design that signifies uh status in the society and more importantly it's just cool devices you know there's a cool uh coolness associated with certain brands and certain brands have that message inherently built into them some of them stand for um things that really matter to them some of them really um signify what they want their end consumers to feel uh, especially when they purchase that product which is why you know some of the luxury brands automatically um tell a story about the consumer like when you when you see somebody wearing a rolex watch you you kind of automatically start putting things into place about this person you start maybe thinking about oh maybe this person's affluent they work in a certain place they dine in a certain place they probably earn this much amount of money you kind of form a picture about a person and today brand building is all of that it talks less about the brand but more about the consumer talks it's it's a story that you're able to share with somebody who doesn't know you but i'm meeting abhishek for the first time and i'm able to like see some of the things that he has on his body or things that he's utilizing it tells me a lot about who you are as a person and i think consumers today buy into that people don't just buy because you know it's a pen that can write no people will go for a mom blah or something that really because people know that there's a story associated with it there is people automatically then start picturing you in a certain way and i think that is really important that's going to be something that is very hard to like take away and very difficult to replace especially in the consumer's mind so every time uh, i think about great brand building i talk i i think about how do you form that image in somebody's head and how and that is a very difficult image for you to like then break away from and when okay. you were talking to me about um you know consumer play and you're really talking to me about how loyalty is going to be a moat i was thinking about that i was thinking about some of these best brands and the ones that have done a fantastic job uh in terms of just building that and lastly you also mentioned that the best time to be investing is when nobody else is i think that's a great point i think warren buffett also mentioned something similar when it comes to uh, retail investing where he said the best time to invest is when everybody is like scared and the market is your playground at that point because markets are down nobody else wants to invest because they've had bad experiences they have a terrible performing portfolio and now the world is your your oyster and you are really able to take control of the of of what the others are unable to see and i think that goes to show that you know some lessons that can be learned from retail investing can also be applied to uh, venture investing as such and putting that into context and maybe extension of a question i want to ask you compared to how you were investing let's say a couple of years ago or maybe even a year ago how are you taking a look at 2022 especially q2 onwards right because the first couple of quarters you're probably let the market dictate its terms and you are trying to see okay what's happening every, everywhere around me and we probably learn from what's happening around us but going into the second half of the year where is your mind at from an investing lens and how are you ensuring that there's going to be more dollars that you're putting against um you know the investments and the portfolios that you have already uh, invested in and ensuring that there's going to be that growth story that you can share with us maybe a couple of years down the line when everybody else was not investing and you were probably putting money against some of these companies so sure. 
so okay let me let me let me maybe answer this question slightly differently let me again uh, you know go back to uh, you know period of let's say april to june of uh, 2020 right mm-hmm. uh, uh, this is the time when case in india covid was at its peak uh, first wave no one knew what had hit them right uh, the i i would say the first few weeks uh, you know it uh, i think it took us some bit of time to kind of actually realize the gravity of the situation and uh, you know also to kind of digest the fact that you know it has hit not only india but globally and every part of our life uh, uh, you know significantly i think once uh, you know uh, i think once that realization kind of sunk in uh, we started brainstorming you know uh, amongst multiple founders us right uh, that look how do you kind of play this is it is it going to become a scenario where where consumption with consumers are just going to stop buying new things because they're sitting at home right Mm-hmm. interestingly i think some of the learnings that that had that had come up at that point of time that look since there are two or three theories that are going to play out right number one while overall expenses might go down right your definitely your expenses on capital items etc you know whether it's a travel or buying a new car a new home that would definitely take a hit right were and because of that surplus liquidity and because of the surplus time that one would have when the awareness or you know your ability to target the customer would go up right the customer would actually go and spend on things which they had hoped for or they had wished for that was on the bucket list but probably for uh, you know multiple reasons of either time or money they had kind of deferred that decision to a later date right that started playing out really well mm-hmm. okay second i think with everyone kind of uh, you know in let's say in the last two or three months kind of uh, you know being stuck at home right it was almost a revenge buying kind of coming out right okay so uh, i think it was a it was a mix of these two forces that actually played out really well and that's how you know we had basically taken a call that look uh, you know at that point of time the cats were at all time low the brand even let's say a brand uh, a branding cost was very very low right so we we started uh, you know uh, discussing in portfolios which were very very well funded or let's say some of the companies where we put in some more money just to kind of play into this theme and the result uh, let's say over the next 3 to 6 months was very very encouraging mm-hmm. right now if i take some of uh, you know these experiences and i put into a market uh, today right while i don't think so the same two theories are going to hold up the way i look at it is uh, this is you know this is a time when i think the bigger the big would actually get bigger right uh, and the smaller would actually face uh, i would say it, it would be a more uphill task right now this is the time to kind of capitalize on a particular situation or a particular position that you would need to or you would be in right now right Mm-hmm. so the way we are looking to construct uh, you know either from a portfolio perspective or how we are looking to navigate uh, uh, you know uh, let's say the next 6 to 12 months right is number one to keep doing you know uh, what you are good at or let's say what you are known for a lot better okay 
So mm-hmm. uh, think about you know the way. Let's say even when we started investing from the fund, we had identified a few themes. Okay, uh, and at a very very generalistic level, what the way we look at the market or, or way the the way we look at a consumer is we look at the average you know day of a consumer. Okay, what he or she is kind of spending on on a daily basis, right? And we try to update that. Okay, mm-hmm. now even let's say within this there are you know there is a split between wants and needs. now so let's say for a for a time like this the focus for us would be to focus actually on needs and try and upgrade the customer and you know make the customer realize that this is something that uh, uh is he or she actually would want and it is not a need anymore that's number one number two is if there is a need a particular product would actually uh, kind of fulfill that need a lot better okay where the customer could see a lot more uh, value for money right uh, so i think that's the way we you know we look to navigate uh, you know over the next uh, 6 to 12 months these are fantastic insights and especially when you talk about um, you know what how you how you've been advising some of your portfolio companies that really goes to show that even in a market like today where funding may have reduced and people are putting certain metrics um into into the focus and really scrutinizing how business models um look like especially even at an early stage or at least have a road map uh, that kind of essentially gives you a story that hey there may be a path to profitability somewhere down the line good businesses and founders will still find capital in my opinion and you know one needs to remember that over the last couple of years a lot of vcs have raised money there's so much dry powder sitting in the indian ecosystem to be deployed and there are funds that are being launched every other day in the country and only thing that founders need to keep in mind are is that business models need to be validated today the economy is different from what it was 6 months or a year ago where no matter which sector you work in but mostly in consumer as well people are really t- trying to like understand where is the moat especially in non tech products it's very important to understand where the moat is and today um you know as i think you rightly mentioned there as well putting some of these things into context especially from an investment lens is um incredibly difficult for vcs especially early stage vcs when there's a lot of uncertainty about business model more distribution uh uh talent how are you building it what's the iteration going to look like in a couple of months or years down the line all of that automatically becomes top of mind for a lot of investors right and um you know i i kind of asked this question to a lot of consumer investors who have been on the show as well but i want to ask you this from a different context i want to understand what about the india consumer story did you fall in love with like i i know that you have worked in consumer before you know venturing out into venture you also uh, were here in the us investing uh, into the consumer space you've kind of like loved the consumer space as you previously mentioned in the beginning of the episode as well but what other than the sheer numbers that india has attracts you to indian consumer story and what about it are you bullish going forward in the next 24 to 36 months so first few things number one uh, i have always i think treating india at least as a from a consumption less 
uh, as a from a consumption lens right as one country is is probably not right I, it, to me india i think the combination of 12 countries right mm-hmm. different you know people or consumers in different states and different regions and different uh, you know geographies within india treat or or consume very very differently their uh, you know whether it's a uh, their ability to spend uh, their value to worth that they look at for a, from a, a particular product their propensity to spend is very very different okay so for you know a simple thing one of you know let's say i don't know if you know this fact that uh, the daily bread that we consume mm-hmm. okay there are two large yeast manufacturers uh, you know which actually control more than 90% of the market in india okay mm-hmm. the yeast and the bread ingredients that they land up supplying to let's say southern india versus the western india to northern india the recipes are actually different the same company same brand right uh, that but what they would be supplying to these geographies would be different because the taste preferences are very very different and this is a daily staple for you know consumer now this is something which is extremely challenging right i think this challenge is something that excites me a lot right uh, so even let's say now if i kind of juxtapose this you know from a company or uh, a marketing strategy of a company right i don't think so there is like one you know one marketing strategy is kind of fits all right you uh, the fact that uh, you know for every region every customer you know you have to keep kind of tweaking your uh, you know strategies some really work well some don't uh, you know you kind of capitalize on something i think that is something that fascinates me right so yes it is a sheer number like uh, mm-hmm. uh, it is 17th of the world population but the fact that the preferences are so so different okay that's something that i, I would say that excites me the thing that i am extremely bullish on at least for the next 5 to 6 years is mm-hmm. the similar story that has panned out in you know the larger tier 1 uh, or let's say the tier 1 or larger tier 2 uh, cities over the last 5 years right this is going to get percolated in tier 2 tier 3 as well right mm-hmm. uh, i have seen uh, you know a, a lot of infrastructure you know lot of uh, efforts lot of money kind of going into building out uh, the ecosystem in some of these uh, places right once this is down right i would say you know from the 2 to 3 crore you know transacting users today this number probably is going to quadruple in the next 5 to 8 uh, years alone right and this is something that uh, you know excites me a lot and this is something that i'm bullish on you rightly touched upon a couple of points there right the, f- the fact that there's penetration to markets today that probably ha- we probably didn't look at uh, four five years ago for lack of um, uh, better words here because we we probably weren't looking at these markets when we think when we think about brand building and i think even before the recording you and i discussed this today you might have a consumer in tier 2 tier 3 no and is aware about brands like raw pressery uh, which or, or or a starbucks which turn out to be somewhat aspirational brands but um, may not be consumers sitting in tier 2 tier 3 cities but this is something that everyday consumer today knows about discoverability is become so ubiquitous and easy right now 
that people know the consumer story people know that there are brands out there that that offer these things especially in markets that these brands wouldn't have even thought about um you know marketing to or targeting couple of years ago and today that's the story that i am also really excited about from an indian consumer point of view it's what penetration can do in the coming years like with internet penetration uh which is just open the doors for discoverability i think there's going to be a massive aspirational ambition that middle india has which is going to be satisfied by some of these brands that had never thought about entering these markets and that's going to like bring up its own challenges right and i'm curious to hear about that from your perspective now within your portfolio companies have there been discussions amongst them where they're starting to look at entering these markets where they feel there's a huge opportunity but they don't really haven't tapped into it as much and while they're thinking about that journey of entering into tier 2 tier 3 tier 4 markets how are they thinking about it like when 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 do you think a brand should start thinking about penetrating markets outside of just the urban cities the 12 urban cities that we have in india where you have spending power but the other 90% of the country is really waiting for some of these brands to come to them come to their doorstep come to their cities or come to their towns and really share that story but share it in a much different way than they have in uh, urban india how are you thinking about it and how are some of your portfolio companies gone about it if some of them have even tapped into these markets okay uh, so akash firstly look uh, the decision to move away from or, or let's say to start focusing on a newer geography or a newer tier would would only start stemming once you starts kind of seeing a glass ceiling in your current uh, uh, let's say your current gta Correct. right yeah uh, assuming that's happening uh, firstly just just from a thought process perspective intuitively we always think that uh, the purchasing power of a tier 2 or a tier 3 uh, city would be a lot lower right mm-hmm. uh, actually you know that is not true to to give you a sense uh, you, uh, one so let's say for for india uh, one of the highest grossing uh, you know sales outlet for someone like a mcdonalds is actually from a tier 2 uh, correct right yeah uh, one of the highest revenues per store for an apparel brand that i have actually seen is uh, you know from indore yeah. okay uh, i i actually in fact you know there was there was a cousin of mine from a tier 3 city you know at a place uh, you know last month Mm-hmm. and uh, you know i could literally see the love for brands but the fact that you know those brands they did not have access to those brands in those cities right right so they one of the things when you know like a typical thing when they were when you know they were looking to come uh, you know to to gurgaon right the first thing on their mind is we need to go and at least uh, you know two days spend shopping right mm. and just load up on this so the the question the, the reason why i highlight is this the, the the capacity to spend the aspiration is already there right right now it's uh, i think the first issue to kind of solve for in these things is making these brands you know available in these geographies mm-hmm. my sense that should be good enough right uh secondly if even if let's say a value to money or uh let's say as a theory would kind of hold good right i think there are a lot of ways that uh, you know brand could kind of 
uh, you know, address that, you know, whether, uh, you know, either a different pricing mechanism, you know, different SKUs, uh, maybe, you know, some branding, etc. you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, creating separate ranges. I think this is what some of, uh, you know, some of the brands have actually done, even let's say for, you know, the existing uh, geographies. Mm-hmm. So I always, let's say, let's say, for example, I always look up, uh, uh, you know, uh, to a woman's brand called W, right? Mm-hmm. ECNS, which is a listed company, right? Even if, even if I look at them, they, they started with one brand and they kind of moved up with the other and they, uh, and they launched another brand, which was, you know, for a regular or, a, uh, you know, much more economical, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, let's say I would say different strategies, uh, you know, for different markets, but I see a massive opportunity there and I don't see a lack of aspiration and spending power. You made a very good point there because if I'm not wrong and, uh, somebody can correct me when they listen to this and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here as well is Harley Davidson sales. The maximum of them don't come from urban India. They actually come wow. from tier two, tier three parts of the country. So I'm with you. And on the same page that middle India or tier two, tier three, whatever we want to call them is not short of spending money. But it yeah. is definitely waiting for brands to target them. They're waiting for brands to um, build the story about how do we connect with middle India? How do we make sure that our products can also you know, build loyalty in these markets and with these set of consumers? And that is probably not something a lot of brands think about when they first launch. And rightly so. They find product market fit in urban India, then they start thinking about rest of the other markets. And I'm sure some of your portfolio companies like your M caffeines or eat better curry it, all of these have really thought about that story, you know, starting with the urban markets, trying to like find product market fit, and then really trying and penetrating into different parts of the country as well, because you obviously don't want to start everywhere and wear yourself thin in the early days. You want to make sure that you have a story that you can share with um, different sets and different societies within the country itself. And somebody rightly had said on the podcast, a while ago that is India is like Europe. It has multiple states and every state is very different and how people's concept of money and how they react and use money is very different. And therefore spending patterns are different. Behavior is different. And when they get hold of a product, the usage also is very, very different. Somebody may use a product for a, for a longer time than somebody else does like a phone. Let's take an iPhone An iPhone, for instance, in some parts of the country, you may have users utilizing a product for like three, four, five years, waiting for the next best version of the product to come out. Wherein in some parts of the country, you might have people who, you know, where they feel every few months, I need to have the latest phone in my hand. So the consumer patterns, obviously in the country are very different. And I wanted to come to your portfolio at this point and really talk about how you go about with your portfolio construction, because let's face it, India's consumer market today is the most ripe it's ever been. And there's never been a better time to start a consumer brand in the country. So while you're looking at companies on a day-to-day basis in such a crowded space, what kind of differentiations are you looking for? Because let's say there's Eat Better or an M Caffeine or a, a, a Skin Craft, they still come with 15, 20 competitors in that space, especially when you're thinking about the early days of investing, right? So what sets you apart or what sets the company apart in the early days and what really stands out to you or what is it that you look for when you're investing into these companies? 
Okay, great. Uh, uh, okay, interesting question. Let me, uh, so the, the two questions that you had asked on this, right? Number one is uh, typically how do we go about portfolio construction? And the second is, uh, you know, what kind of differentiation uh, that you look for and how do you kind of maintain it? Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Great. So uh, on the portfolio construction, you know, as I, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we always try to keep a balance, uh, you know, between, uh, let's say, wants and needs, uh, you know, for a for a particular customer, and you know, we within each of these buckets, we try to upgrade the customer to, you know, let's say, a better for you product. Okay. Now the better for you could be, uh, you know, some how he or she might be looking, how she he might be how he or she might be feeling, you know, what they are kind of consuming, et cetera, right? So mm-hmm. something, you know, which is a better uh, product for you. Now, typically, I would say see, there are there are few themes, uh, you know, at uh, every given point of time that, uh, you know, we are kind of uh, tracking, right? Now, whether, let's say, it's a, a healthy living, whether, you know, it's looking and feeling good, whether it's plant-based alternatives, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, let's say kids and parents as a play, whether it's sports, uh, uh, whether, you know, it's convenience, uh, you know, whether it's uh, sustainability, right? We try and have, uh, you know, any company uh, playing to, I would say, multiple of these themes, right? So more, more the number of themes in a particular company, the more excited we are about that company, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Let's say, for example, if, you know, if I, uh, since you mentioned MCAFE, right? So this is something, you know, that would play into, uh, uh, let's say it, it is a new category, right? Uh, in terms of, let's say, exfoliation, um, uh, uh, which is one of, you know, the best hopes. Uh, if, if I look at from a brand positioning, it's very, very bold. Uh, you know, it, it definitely makes a person, you know, look good. At the same time, you know, it is very, very efficacious. Uh, and at the same time, you know, let's say it's, pe- uh, it's uh, you know, it, it's completely cruelty-free, you know, no harmful chemicals, etc. right? So then in our matrix of things, it kind of fits into four or five of, you know, the, the macro themes that uh, we are looking at, right? Uh, and this is, uh, this is sort of a common thread, uh, you know, that we notice across our portfolios. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, even when we are initially kind of looking at it, uh, you know, we try and see that, uh, you know, of course, you know, on the on the on the usual stuff in terms of unit economics and, you know, fundamentals long term, we see how well these themes can, I, you know, fit into the long term story of the brand. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and typically we try to have a mix of these, uh, you know, within within our portfolios. Uh, Secondly, I would say from a, uh, let's say from a, con- a portfolio construction perspective, uh, uh, look, having diversification in any portfolio is key, especially since you're coming in very early uh, for you to kind of predict that each and every company is going to become like a rock star or superstar. I think it's an unreasonable, you know, sort of an expectation, right? So you are definitely going to have uh, uh, companies that actually don't kind of work out or whether the thesis doesn't work out, right? Mm-hmm. In those cases, I think to ensure the diversification, uh, let's say the kind of products between wants and need, between let's say domestic and exports, uh, you know, between channels, uh, let's say between a D2C and a marketplace, or let's say online versus offline, 
uh, I think that's the kind of diversification one should, uh, you know, actually have in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, uh, the second part of the question, uh, uh, you know, as one of uh, so see, there are certain common threads uh, that you will find in each and every one. Okay, uh, uh, and let me address these by fundamentals. Okay, and positioning. By fundamentals, I would uh, you know I would essentially say let's say capital efficiency. Uh, the way we define capital efficiency is how much incremental revenues have you earned uh, by every rupee that you spend, right? Uh, or let's say, for example, how are your you know how strong are your repeat cohorts? Mm-hmm. Or uh, 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 let's say how how good are your contribution uh, you know margins post marketing? Let's say some of these metrics, okay? You will you will notice across our portfolios, uh, you know, we would be in the top uh, design of uh, you know industry benchmarks around these. The second uh, the second part, which is more on the positioning, uh, look, I think every portfolio or every brand actually speaks a very very focused uh, language, right? Uh, so uh, so let's say for example. Um, if if I take an encaffeine, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, while a lot of brands that you're saying, you know, kind of focus on, uh, you know, sustainability, clean label, uh, you know, plant based, uh, etc. Right? Now, encaffeine has been able to create a differentiation over, uh, you know, these hygiene factors. Right? They've been able to create a differentiation, something like what a parachute did for coconut oil or what Dove did to milk and cream as -hmm. ingredients, right? Uh, Now that's the differentiation for us. Okay. Similarly, if I, you know, if I look at uh, uh, Soul Store, for example, right? Uh, Now there are a lot of companies that would be doing casual wear, right? But one of the core things for someone like a Soul Store is can, you know, amongst those, how many of the companies would let's say cater to licensed merchandise, right? So as of today, they have over 200 odd characters and within each of the characters, they have, you know, multiple products, right? So this is a differentiation and this is a positioning that uh, it's very, very difficult to find, uh, you know, for a new guy to come in, you know, build. Or for that matter of fact, if since you mentioned, uh, let's say someone, someone like a skin craft, right? Now, mm-hmm. what they do, yes, they also provide a face wash, a toner, a moisturizer. Uh, uh, but the differentiation element for them is customization. So if you would basically come, you would ask, you know, you would answer a series of questions and the AI at the back end, uh, you know, would actually custom make a product for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a very, very solid differentiation and it's a very, very strong mode for you know, someone to kind of penetrate through. And this, uh, and this is something that uh, we try and kind of look at in each of the portfolios and we try to play to that strength and maintain that positioning. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're thinking about certain brands and, and certain companies, both within the portfolio and the ones that you perhaps are thinking about investing into the future, how much of that early stage mode is important for them to have while you're investing as opposed to something that they can build over time, given that the team and the vision might be something that is exciting for you. So, uh, 
So Akash, for let's say initially, you know, when your resources are constrained, uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, limited bandwidth, you have limited people, you have limited money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, and, and you're kind of planning to eventually take on an incumbent or a larger company at some point of time. I think yeah. it's important to have, uh, you know, foot in the door product, firstly, or foot in the door positioning. Mm-hmm. Something which helps, uh, you know, you helps you to at least penetrate a customer's basket, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or, uh, you know, the, let's say at least be in the customer's home. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, that's a foot in the door strategy. Now, uh, maybe in some of the cases, what we have seen uh, that, look, these put in the door, uh, these hooks are not something which are very, very scalable. Mm-hmm. Okay. But at least within the limited set of customers that, uh, you know, you play to or, you know, you target, it's good enough to, you know, get you a good amount of brand awareness. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when you, let's say, start uh, focusing on, let's say, start slightly larger categories, et cetera, when, where, let's say, from one product that, you know, you've talked to the customer, now the customer can go and buy three products from you, okay? Mm-hmm. The same example of, let's say, the Apple car, which you mentioned, mm-hmm. okay? I think Apple was able to do that because I think over multiple years, at least one of the values that they built is product excellence, right? Right. So now anything that kind of comes out of the house of Apple is going to be like an absolute fantastic product. I think this is what they've been able to do from a customer's mindset. Mm -hmm. Look, I think in, if I just from a learning perspective, you know, we try and, uh, you know, implement some of this in each of the companies, Mm -hmm. right? You need not be the best on all, but there are certain things that, uh, or the certain things which customers should start feeling that whenever you think of this, you know, you think of this brand, right? Mm. And then it's a lot easier, you know, for the remaining products in that portfolio. Right. No, again, fantastic insights that you're sharing with respect to some of your investment thesis. And I think I heard you on an episode uh, a couple of years ago where you mentioned that especially when it comes to your own portfolio, as well as the ones that you're thinking about investing in, it's very important to like have that portfolio um, cap table construction really, really clean, crisp, and know the value add that investors are bringing onto the table. And if I could paraphrase, one of the quotes that you mentioned in that is, it's really important to have experienced uh, investors who have gone through multiple cycles uh, to be part of your cap table. And I wanted to pose a question to you based on that quote. Now, when you're an early stage founder in today's market, especially where, you know, capital is kind of like dried up or capital is hard to come by and you're thinking about just going out, raising money and uh, executing against some of the business plans that you have, how should a founder go about bringing investors on board, especially given that they want to think about VCs who have gone through multiple cycles, but the market is dried up, you know, how should they go about raising money in today's climate? Because they may go out and still raise that 500K, 750K, $1 million, but these may not be from the investors who have been through multiple cycles. Is that still advisable for them to do? Or should they really bring somebody on who has that multi-cycle experience? Uh, Good question, Akash. Akash, I would uh, look again. It's it's a it's a it's a choice between want and a need, right? 
uh, you now what i've seen india you know there are, there are about 200 odd active funds in india right Mm-hmm. I think everyone comes comes with different experiences. Everyone kind of brings their own learnings into the play, right? I think as a founder, you should be very clear on what you are looking at, right? Are you looking for passive capital? Okay, you will definitely find a lot of funds around that. Are you looking for you know something a little bit more than capital? Someone, you know, are you looking for empathy? Are you looking for value add? Are you looking for you know opening networks? Now it's it. It, this is a this is a call that a specific founder would need to take, right? Now, if look, if the choice, uh, and I am being very very transparent about this, if the choice is between let's say your survival uh, versus let's say choosing the the fund that you want to go with, I think obviously I would choose survival over that, right? But if it's a if it's a it's a question about you know you kind of Uh, you know, patiently waiting out for some more time uh, and doing something which is you know maybe right for the business. I would actually you know choose patience, mm. right? Uh, but look again, the, the same point which you discussed earlier, you know, in the session. Yes, I would say overall deal activity has come down, but the fact is uh, there are there are still deals which are happening on a daily basis. Right, the volume has gone down. I think the quality of deals has gone up. Mm. Uh, now, if you know, as a founder, usually you know we, uh, you know we suggest like a five-point approach. Uh, uh, you know, to you know everyone that we kind of meet or we invest in, you know, for follow-on rounds is to number one, just be disciplined and patient about something. Right, it's not that if you've just started a capital raise right now, you need to close it in the next one month. Right. uh you know focus on uh, uh focusing on depth has always proved to be better than focusing on width right so uh let's say for example if someone you know if someone is is kind of doing limited amount of sales from 5 sku's versus someone is doing 2x that from 100 sku's i would always choose the story you know the 5 sku's right because that's a lot more sustainable as compared to you know the other story uh i think uh, let's say even within this um, uh, i think focusing on fundamental and unit economics as i pointed is a lot better than just focusing on you know growth at any cost okay uh, third i would say one has to you know plan a lot earlier okay because the reality of the matter is that look uh, when you actually need the money right uh, there will be few takers for it but uh, uh, there will be a lot more takers than you actually you know don't require it and you just you know you want to kind of build out a voucher so you want to do something a little bit you know more disruptive right mm-hmm. uh, and i think uh, look lastly timing is key right uh, if uh, now and whenever i talk about timing there is an element of luck in it right uh, no one can kind of the way no one can time a public market i think no one can time a private market as well so uh, but the fact is you need to be aware of uh, competition you need to be aware of uh, uh, you know investors what uh, you know what are their themes uh, you know what are the things that they are excited about uh, you know when is you know when is the right time to kind of you know maintain discussions with them and then eventually you know kind of launch a process so i think uh, with 
these four or five things uh, irrespective uh, of the market condition one i think any of the founders will be able to kind of uh, uh, raise funds now you've I, i i think one of the points that you mentioned there which is focusing on depth is always better than focusing on width was the highlight quote in this episode i mean you have obviously shared quite a number of quotes in this which really stand out but this is my personal <laughs> favorite because it 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 really puts a lot of things into perspective right like for me personally when you said that quote it it kind of summarized everything about investing in today's market because there's so much noise out there sometimes everything that appears to be sexy is actually not and when you are able to do one or two things really really well and those two things can really impact the bottom line every single day you know that you've got a great business on your hand to invest into and as your founder you know you're going to be extremely confident going and speaking to potential investors and more importantly customers will come to you because you're you know those two things are you're nailing the two things that are really core and fundamental to your to your business model and i think when you mentioned that all of that just completely made so much sense about consumer investments and consumer companies in the country in the context of the economic climate that we are in right now so uh, which is why i said it's my personal favorite quote for this particular episode uh, and in that section you also clearly have shared a framework for founders to think about their fundraising strategy and how they should be thinking about timing positioning more importantly putting their own economics and business models into perspective as they go out and fundraise and i would be remiss if i didn't bring this question up as you're thinking about you know the next 6 months to maybe 18 months which are going to be very critical and eventually things are going to settle down you know these things have a way of self correcting and the market automatically will come back to its usual self or in a way that perhaps everybody gets accustomed to what would be your fundamental advice to founders who are building companies and secondly what should potential future founders of companies be thinking about especially when they're thinking about starting a company you know one advice for founders who are already building and another piece of advice for founders who are thinking about uh, starting a company uh, interesting question akash ah uh, okay i think one fundamental uh, you know one fundamental advice to let's say existing founders uh, you know the same thing right uh, at look at every given point of time right at least the time you know you raise your series b series a resources are always going to be a constraint right uh, and since you have less you need to do a lot more with you know that less right mm-hmm. uh, now pretty much every advice that i have you know kind of short shared my learnings on this podcast you will see this is an eto that we actually live by okay uh, you know whether it's lesser number of resources or how do you kind of ration that how do you kind of Uh, you know focus on the basics right i've always seen any of the founders who at least do 6 out of 10 things correctly right just sticking to basics they will actually make it big mm-hmm. okay so that's that's my one advice to the existing founders um uh for uh, for a new incoming founder uh, i would you know i think one piece of advice is uh, please do not follow media blindly okay 
uh, it's what media kind of kind of puts forth is probably that one success story but you know behind that there would be probably a 10 or you know 20 times the amount of uh, you know struggles that uh, you know unfortunately we don't hear mm-hmm. okay now uh, a call to st- i mean I, i i'm i'm totally in and i'm totally bullish in terms of you know how the ecosystems kind of, the startup ecosystem is kind of playing out you know why this is the right time to start your business but it has to be an informed call it cannot be you know a rash call mm-hmm. right by by you kind of uh, you know choosing to you know either quit a job or let's say leave your existing job or you know instead of starting i mean just starting something afresh uh, it has to be a lot thought through uh, decision okay it's uh, things are not that simple things are not that easy you made a very excellent point you've got to start businesses for the right reason and i think i had uh, varun alag if i'm not wrong of mama earth Uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks back really talked to me about the importance of starting companies for the right reason and having a vision a story a mission that really connects both internally with the founders and all the way through the company and more importantly that vision that being communicated to the customers because eventually it comes down to the why as simon sinek you know rightly mentioned it's why people will come to you why do you what are you selling what's the story behind it why are you doing what you're doing and that is really going to bring people together and that's how you build brands together that's how you build successful companies together and that really becomes the reason why people will eventually remember you this is why we still remember steve jobs this is why we still remember um, you know henry ford uh, thomas edison these are people who were you know eccentric personalities but at the same time these were people who knew what it meant to like really build brands to your legacy leave a mark and we talk about some of these people decades and centuries after their de- death as well because of the brands that they have built because of the contributions that they have made to society to technology and eventually that's that that ends up becoming the fundamental reason why people will end up um you know becoming customers and that that really trickles down to just one thing it's all about messaging it's all about the why it's all about why you do what you do every single day and that goes back to even you right like you rightly mentioned we invest because we really want to be part of like in the, these journeys these stories we're really passionate about the india opportunity and even before jumping onto this recording you mentioned that you've only been investing for four and a half years in the country but there are reasons why you're doing it there are reasons why you're bullish about the india story there are reasons why you continue to wake up every single day and you know the indian consumer story is is probably not even at the tip of the iceberg it's probably we've touched maybe 1% of what the market can really look like and um, you know some of the companies that will be alive 5 years from now may may not be even born you know we are still talking about an uh, an economy an ecosystem um a market that is so so ripe at this point and thriving and there's an opportunity for not just incumbents but also new entrants to really make a mark and uh, you've rightly captured all of that by um, you know summarizing it in very few lines as opposed to me who's actually building a lot of like stories around the point that i'm trying to make <laughs> but um, you know these are fantastic insights you're sharing uh, you've shared so far uh, abhishek and lastly um, before i let you go and you've obviously provided a lot of fantastic insights i want to understand what are some of the markets that you really bullish about within the consumer uh, industry and where are you as an organization as a fund 
thinking about investing um, going forward in the next six to 12 months, what about these Indian consumer verticals that really stands out to you? Sure. Uh, Akash, you're very bullish on, uh, you know, health and wellness as a theme in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, multiple things within this, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, mental wellness, you know, your, uh, you know, daily wellness, uh, you know, kids wellness, right. Uh, uh, second, uh, I'm, I'm very bullish on, uh, uh, let's say tier two, tier three, uh, plays in India for the reasons that I mentioned earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, thirdly, uh, uh, let, even let's say for sports and entertainment, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the kid side, whether it's on the adult side, uh, I see a lot of scope for growth. Uh, and fourth, uh, around food and beverage on the convenience play, right? Uh, I'm seeing a lot of new innovation kind of coming up. Uh, uh, and that's some, that's one of the themes that we continue to, you know, back for the, uh, you know, coming few quarters. I, I've had such an amazing time speaking to you, Abhishek. This has uh, been a, an episode where there's been levity, there's been fantastic insights, but more importantly, just candid experience from investing in the country. And you've been nothing but uh, generous with your knowledge, uh, with your wisdom. And I've really enjoyed speaking to you, uh, both off the recording and on the recording. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to the the story to play out. Like your you're very early into your investing journey, as you previously mentioned. You're probably seeing the first wave of, um, you know, the cycle that you wanted your portfolio companies to to think about, especially when they're building out their cap tables. And you're now becoming that fund going through the COVID pandemic. And now as, you know, we're seeing this global recession that's coming into place. So you're already seeing two cycles. And uh, hopefully in the coming few years, there'll be a lot more learnings that are going to come out of the fund. And more importantly, the Indian consumer story continues to get stronger. And I want to bring you on maybe a year from now and really just talk about the learning that you have had from this episode to what you have learned a year from now. And I think that will still make for an amazing story because the nature of our industry is such that in 12 months, you probably would have learned as much as you probably would have learned in a decade being in any other. So um, again, it's been a pleasure complete gratitude for you being here and sharing some fantastic insights with us and our listeners. Akash, thank you so much for having me over. Uh, this was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, clearly I think you have an art of, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting the meat out of a certain person. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the question and I thoroughly enjoyed being here. Well, Abhishek ended that episode with some very kind words, but this was a great conversation. It was good to get inside the head of one of India's leading consumer investors and learn about why they're bullish about the India story. There were a lot of great insights from his time investing in consumer brands in India. And if you're like me, you might have taken away a lot of insights about company building, cap table construction, and more importantly, about how brands are thinking about tapping into the middle India story. Thank you so much again, Abhishek, for being on the podcast and being very candid with all of your insights, wisdom, and experience. Well, if you're like me and you enjoyed that episode, please go ahead and rate and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. One, it'll help you keep updated about all of our future episode releases. And two, it'll help others discover our podcast as well. Make sure you tune back in again next week because we've got another fantastic guest who talks about investing in fintech in the Asian markets. It's going to make for another great listen. So I'll see you on the other side. And until then, Continue to keep hustling everybody and stay safe.